Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Machines podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm desperately unable to transform anymore, and also Alex. And I'm David. And today we are looking at the second episode of Beast Machines, Master of the House, Keeper of the Zoo. Ooh. Yeah. Ready to relieve him of a sewer or two. <laughs> yeah. all, I can, all I can think of is uh, George Costanza getting that stuck in Elaine's father's head in that uh, episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Which leads to possibly the only on-screen incidents of uh, Lawrence Tierney singing show tunes. <laughs> yeah, he's the big old bald guy from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Ha. Um, Reservoir Dogs? Oh no, You've seen David! Him in, oh, you. I've seen him in movies. I this is like how just talking about Canada missing the nineties. <laughs> this is like how David hadn't seen The Big Lebowski until like last year. <laughs> the two years ago. Okay, two okay, years then. So this is uh, written by both uh, show creators, Marty Eisenberg and Bob Skier, written uh, and directed by veteran uh, Beast Wars director Steve Sachs. Uh, no and first aired September twenty fifth, Yeah, thankfully Steve Sachs did recover from being uh, arrested for every unsolved crime in Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we open with training. Optimus Primal is trying to help his teammates find their still point. Yeah, he it's it's definitely a motivational speaker vibe going on here. I I was thinking like that and it, a, a hippie commune's philosophy meeting. I yeah. was mostly thinking of the Matrix, but I'm not sure how that syncs up because this this is only like six months after the Matrix. Yeah, that's probably cutting it a little close. Yeah, although. We definitely get some direct Matrix references later in the show. I can't remember if it's the first season or not. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they... But it's definitely coming. They would have had a little more uh, a little more lead time by then. Yeah. I don't know. I and, don't know what their production lead time was. And in fact, I'd say there was definitely more some lead time between the pilot and this episode, because uh, Cheetor and Black Ragnia successfully find their still points and transform. And there's definitely more actual transforming in this than in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Although not enough to not be total bullshit. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's only slight, although it's only slightly more cheatsy than the actual transformations on Beast Wars, too. Oh my goodness, Black Arachne is this terrifying. Her yeah, face, creepy. just like, She's like yeah. screaming in pain when she, her robot mode sort of emerges from the front of her spider. Creepy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and they definitely put good. a lot of mechanical sounding noises over it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't yeah, look it's mechanical. So long. Yeah, they these really stretch these out. Well, it is the yeah. first time, so that makes sense. But. Well, they so they this, did not stretch out them finding their their still points and learning how to do that. Well, well no, but if it took all in their defense, that would be super time? boring. Yeah, if it yeah. took. Like, 
if it took them like four episodes before they got their robot modes, no, that's that's a little too long. You need to get the story moving. Yeah, that would. Yeah, and if one of them was singled out as unable to do that, that would really kind of handicap that character, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it sure would. Yeah, the the recurring theme of the next two episodes is uh, Black Arachnia versus Authority and Rat Trap versus Dignity. Yeah, <laughs> man. Man, poor Rat Trap. Yeah, because well, yeah, yeah. the other two can do it, but Rat Trap can't, which it makes sense that one of them would be worse at it, and Rat Trap kind of is the least philosophical one. So Also, yeah. his toy came out way later. Oh, <laughs> see, there you that's, go. That's a good point. Yeah. I wonder if that's maybe the reason. Well, there's also another reason, but we'll get to that when he finally does transform. Yes. And so this is our first time seeing these robot modes. Uh, what does everybody think? Awesome. Uh, well, Cheetor is definitely looking leggy here. Uh, yeah. Black Arachne is looking differently leggy. Uh, she's, she's okay. I think it definitely lost a little of the feel of the original character, just like... Because she was always, like, short and having reasonable proportions in most senses. And now yeah. she just is really, really tall. As, well, a, probably... oh, as a short person, I feel that it was important to her characterization to be short. Well, don't worry, because somebody on the show does get to be short still. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she doesn't even have feet. <laughs> yeah. No, she's just... Got little pointy. I mean, I guess they're like spider feet. Yes. But yeah, it's. And also, uh, kind of a giant it... butt. <laughs> That's a good point. A, yes. The uh, thor. Wait, thorax. What's the butt part of a bug? Well, she's a spider, so she has a cephalothorax and an abdomen. So it's an abdomen. It's an abdomen. Yes. It's the same thing. It, it, it's it's kind a spider of, butt. It covers her butt. That's the thing, and she has six eyes. That she doesn't use all at the same time in robot mode. Yeah, a, she's got a got a real Klingon forehead thing going on. Yeah, yeah. The, and also hair. Yeah, the <laughs> hair is weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's that is, of the whole design. Her having hair is, although it's one solid mass that's shaped like hair, is kind of the weirdest piece. I kind of feel like it almost feels like she was designed without any real notice of the original or reference to the original whereas I don't feel quite that much about Cheetor but that may be because cheetahs have kind of a set color scheme that I mean it's it is a lot like her transmetal color scheme her transmetal two color scheme but the transmetal two also just looked a whole lot more like her uh just in in very different colors and you know with with a lot of other different bits but there's yeah, there's her, just something about this design that just is a significant departure from her original. She's almost more Sarah Kerrigan, Queen of Blades, than she is Black Rachnia. <laughs> yeah. Although, does so, that predate uh, this? No, that was 97. Oh, okay. I believe. Let me double... So, yes, yes it would predate this. Yeah. I like I like Black Black Rachnia. It is, it is quite too. close to her toy, actually. I think she might be the most toy accurate of the first uh, four Maximals we see here. Well, yeah, her toy. The really big Cheetor, yeah. 
Her toy does have the really cool sliding up eye thing that she has in the show, which is pretty great. And it has the hair, so I guess that was a Hasbro decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing, is I don't think the show model was necessarily... I, I feel like this was a toy-based decision. I feel like the the toy was designed without really referencing the original so much. Mm-hmm. How stable are her toy and Cheetor's toy on this iteration in robot mode? Uh, uh, well, if you're... in robot mode, she actually has feet that you yeah, can like, you... fold down yeah. so okay. you can stand up. It's pretty stable. Cheetor's, though, not great. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a mess. It, it really, the problem is his stability dis- depends entirely on the strength of his knee joints, and he's got like three of them. Oh. So, Yikes. yeah. So, so if one of them is and bad, he's fallen over. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I mean, he's got to have a fairly sizable torso, so it's, yeah, it's the stability is not great. Yeah. Worse when he's, you know, blown up to, like, a two-foot-tall toy. I, I, I don't think it's possible to stand up Supreme Cheetor. No, no. It's, I, I think I've had him standing for brief seconds before, like, you know, at, at some point since 1999. But, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the uh, although, well, although I guess actually um, his uh, the Night Slash Cheetor, which came out in the second year of the toy line, is actually very stable. Ooh. Yeah, that one. I think the legs on that one are just a lot bigger, like thicker, sturdier. Yeah. Than the other iterations. Mm-hmm. And there's they released one in the Universe line that's actually fairly close to his color scheme here. So if you really want a Beast Machines Cheetor, I would go with that one. And yeah, I mean, you can ha- give Black Arachne her show-accurate legs, but then there's absolutely no way she can stand up. <laughs> no. Well, now these days, there are so many, like, you can get one of those those Japanese, like, figure stand sets that just has a little, like, waist clip. Oh, yeah. And actually, come to think of it, I think that uh, around this time, the uh, the Lucas Brothers, who run uh, Unicron.com, I think they put out, like, stands specifically for Black Arachne. Oh. I think so, and and maybe Jetstorm too. Yes, yes. So you could make them ah. stand like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Nifty. anyway, they success. They are transformed. Rattrap is not transformed, and also here comes a mole drone. Is it a so, uh, so is is this the first realistic drill tank in all of Transformers history? Absolutely. I, first, and I believe yeah. only. Is, is it really realistic? <laughs> it just makes me think of the, the drill th- tanks from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. I mean, well, yes. it actually has, like, a drill that you see in, like, those machines that drill, like, well, subway tunnels. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to a big cone that spins around. It is more of a yes. flat... Although it does still have giant arms outside yes. that. Well, see, it is I, more practical. Actually, my, my notes say in order, is that Shredder... Is that the first realistic drill tank in all of Transformers history? <laughs> so the first thought was it was Shredder. <laughs> we need to get back to Dimension X. <laughs> but I, I give them significant props for actually having a, a realistic drill tank because uh, on our news podcast, when we've been talking about the Technobots and Combiner Wars, that's been a, a ranting point. 
<laughs> and yeah, unfortunately, uh, unlike the other, all the other vehicles, this one doesn't transform. No. Yeah. But Optimus does jump in front of it so it can shoot at him. Yep. Well, because that's yeah. his thing. He like absorbs energy and then shoots it back at you. I suppose. And so he does defeat this thing, but you know, one Viacon. It's you know, Viacons are like ants. You got one, you got a whole nest. So you got to move. Mm-hmm. You know, just like ants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like ants. Ant in your kitchen, you have to move. Termites. Termites. <laughs> time to find a new house. I mean, admittedly, if you did see an ant this size, then yes, it's obviously time to move. It's time to to move because it's drilled a hole through one of the walls in your house, and it's probably no longer structurally stable. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah, by the way, they are just underground somewhere. Generic. You know, a cave or something. We're we're underground a lot on this show. Yeah. Yeah, So they need to find a new base, and uh, even though Cheetor wants to go up and see, you know, Find if anybody else is on this planet. He seems to be assuming that there are others on this planet. I mean, you would assume that even if you were in a deserted location, there would be somebody else on the entire planet. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, there's someone else out there. Somewhere. On a planet that used to have billions or millions or however many Cybertronians, somebody else has got to be out there. We definitely hear billions later on here. Well, anyway, so yeah, they we, in the first signs of the primal Cheetor conflict that we're going to get a lot of. So get ready for that. <laughs> primal overrules him, and he goes off with Rattrap to find a new base, and also sends Cheetor and Black Arachne off to find a, a new base. Primal's being more of a jerk boss. That like even at his angriest in Beast Wars, I don't think he was ever this much of a jerk. Yeah. Like, I mean, this He's is getting kind a bit of, moody. And this is this is a real desperate situation here. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, even that's at fair. Worst on Beast Wars, they were you know they had a base. They knew that they were up against a fixed number of Predacons. You know, it was manageable. Yeah. As opposed to you know where this they've got the the drone army and they have no idea what's going on. No, but but after getting chewed out by Boss Primal, oh my favorite scene in the entire episode just. The shadows of Black Arachnia and Cheetor are walking along a wall. Oh, the oh, glorious a, shadows on with the show. With the music. Oh it's, it's, oh, it's my favorite scene. It's a gorgeous scene. And I yeah. love how they're animating her legs for that. There's some really good direction. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And then I really like the next scene, too, where she's kind of emerging from this trapezoidal manhole cover. Mm, not trapezoid. <laughs> Irregular hexagonal. Yeah, it's sort of elongated cover. hexagon. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, Cheetor, or Black Rachnia in uh, d- decides to take the Cheetor role in this uh, episode and decides that she's going to look for a base uh, up in Cybertropolis. <gasps> Cybertropolis and is kind of a flat name, but I guess it works. I mean, you know, remember, the capital of Mexico is Mexico City. True, yeah. Fair enough. I guess, yeah. On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, you can tell they didn't call Ben and ask what city names were. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Although we get some old city names like in the second season, I think, once they started looking stuff up. Yeah, there definitely gets to be a point where they clearly started looking stuff up. Yeah. It has oh, not yeah, happened we, yet. Yeah, we're, we're definitely getting stuff later in this season. But anyway, yeah, so Cheetor follows her up somehow, despite the fact that she's going up like this sheer vertical tube. Well, he's got claws in his little kitty feet, I guess. 
Or he's, actually, yes. he's fast. And if there's anything the Flash has taught us, it's that speed is sufficient to overcome gravity. Also, he's shown being able to wall jump and wall run. Yes, but like when they're coming <laughs> up, true. like she lifts up the the sewer grate with or manhole cover with her legs, and then you see Cheetor's head pop out. And at first, I thought she he's riding on top of her, which would be weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a it's a neat shot. Yeah, yeah. It, it, which it, it's a lot yeah, like they, this entire show. It's like. The coolness of the shot is more important than the logistics of it. And, and next we get more Dutch angles. Yes. Yeah, the this this show is all about the coolness of the shot. Yes. And they are cool-looking shots, so that's okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, yeah, they get to Cybertropolis, which should be home to 10 million Transformers. Uh, but nobody's there, and the Cybertron info core has been completely deleted. Also, Cybertropolis does look a lot like the uh, the city that Cheetor was dreaming about way back in season one, but just with a lot more polygons and oh, yeah. better surfacing. Yes, it, it is a really nice looking cityscape. You get like neon signs and there are roads everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit of Tron, a little bit of Blade Runner, a lot more neon. Black Arachnia yes. knows a lot about Cybertron for someone who's never been there. Yeah, I guess she read up on it? Question mark? She does seem like the one Predacon who spent her free time reading. Yes. I remember she is... Between her and Tarantulas, she's the only one who would do research. I do remember that she's the only one uh, in possession who had read up on Starscream. Yes, good point. It's been her thing for a long time, but it's a little weird still that it's her thing. Listen, she's she's from Earth, and she knows a lot about history. <laughs> she's a Cybertronophile. Yeah, yep. Which makes sense, because that is where she lives. Or is from, kind yeah. of-ish. Yeah. Her cultural heritage. <laughs> anyway, aerodrones. Yay! They're so or pretty. If you, or if you prefer sonic attack jets. Because uh, that's, that's what the toy was called. Oh, right. I remember that. It's It's also extremely pretty. Yeah. And they're skating down the side of a building. Yeah. So the, this is uh, this is uh, the Viacon Air Force, and they're also, again very. Cheetor declares it to be an ambush, and I I don't think this is like an ambush would imply that they were like waiting for them to to come to this point to attack them, and it really just seems more like a patrol caught them. Yeah, they're just kind of always around. Cheetor, that's not that's not how tactics work. <laughs> See so yeah, how they, so yeah, they fight, they evade some of these jets by catching them in a giant web. <laughs> uh, but luckily, Optimus Primal is also there. Yay! And he's, he shoots, he's not pleased. He shoots shurikens out of his belly. Yes. Glowing energy shurikens. Which is, uh, the toy, or his first uh, deluxe toy, has an energy shuriken, but he just throws it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's shooting like, it out of his gut. But but he's like doing these weird crunches that shoot them out of his belly. It's, just <laughs> it's, it's all part of Optimus Primal's yoga routine. Mm. So you have to do like special exercise actions to <laughs> get your weapons to work. Yeah. Uh. Well, hell, you have to do hot yoga just to figure out how to transform for the first time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, 
Uh, Cheetor and Black Rackney transform. Rat Trap gets chucked into a pipe. Uh, he's a punchline. Somebody has to he be the comic relief. Uh. So it, it. So don't be too surprised in a couple episodes if he just tries to murder everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so it's time for running. Yep. Running. There is a lot of running on this show. There's so much. I'd forgotten just, I mean, that's sort of the, the reputation that it came away with, but it, it is a well-earned reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like about up to a quarter of each episode so far is running. I mean, there's a fine tradition of good sci-fi shows that do that. Yeah. Oh, sure. I suppose. And the, the fighting is, well, at least, well, Cheetor and Black Arachnia, they move weirdly. Well, it's the frame rates and things like they yeah, end up there's some weird like frame rate fast too. or slow motion. It looks cool, but it just it looks almost like you'd expect like a jittery claymation. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to sort of show that Cheetor has super speed, yeah. but it kind of looks weird. It just looks like his scimitars are blurry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And oh yes, and by the way, he has two scimitars, and he yep. can also. And at some point, he also he addresses what I assume is the camera. <laughs> and uh, asks, talks about his slick cat moves. Uh, I I figured that he was addressing the Viacons, but <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past Cheetor to address the camera. Also, his lower jaw is weirdly green, and it always bugged me. He doesn't have a lot yeah. of green on him, but his, he has a, a green mechanical lower it's jaw. It's like a chin strap. Yeah. It, I don't know. I'm used to that from mecha shows. It doesn't bother yeah. me. Like a Gundam or an Evangelion, which he sort of looks a lot like. Yeah, there there are definitely some Evangelion influences on the design team, especially with uh, Skydive, who wasn't on the show. Oh, yes, I love that toy. He's, but he's he's very Evangelion. Yeah. Well, speaking of weird things, there there's a couple shots where like Primal in robot mode, like he's in the wrong aspect ratio, like his head is wider, his whole. Body. Yeah. Oh. Weird. It's also weird there's how... There's so much... There's so much about this show that's just stylistically driven that I feel like that's probably what that is. It's just yeah. being stylish. It's the computer graphics version of a Dutch angle, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Cheetor's got these swords. Black Rackney has, like, electricity powers. Mm-hmm. Sure. And also, like, you know, Spider-Man webbing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, as you do. As, yeah, pr- yeah, so Primal's kind of mad at them, but uh, he is interested in what's going on, so they decide to go to the Council Citadel, which looks really cool. The MacGuffin yeah. place. If there's any answers, they'll be there. <laughs> yes. Yes, to the Jedi yeah, it's got, Temple. Like, spotlights on it. It's, 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 it's just a really neat-looking building. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they, they get in, they have to fight more Viacons, so che- so he has Cheetor and Black Arachnia fight the drones while he gets inside. Yeah. He does, yeah, he gets inside, uh, there are a bunch of cycle drones, and there's a really great scene of him in gorilla mode just, just, just beating the hell out of these cycle drones. <laughs> yeah, it's, he like grabs one, just swings it, and it's, it's pretty great. Like he's not even stopping, he's just running along, punching these motorcycle guys. Well, he's a much bulkier sort of gorilla now, so he's... Well, he's got he's, those huge forearms, so... Yes. Getting punched by him, it's like uh, getting hit with uh, an, a dishwasher or something. <laughs> yeah. 
doesn't even look like he's trying to punch them. It just looks like he's running over them. Yes. Yeah, he's just so big, and, he crunches them anyway. And I really like the shot where the lead, where the front wheel of the motorcycle drone just sort of comes into frame, and it's sort of vibrating with potential <laughs> speed. <laughs> this show has a lot of really nice shots. Yes. It's a very pretty, pretty show. Yes. So Primal finally gets to the council room, but there's no council. There's just one guy. Well, <gasps> well, first there's He's making just... a dramatic entrance, and it's Megatron. He's getting lowered from the ceiling. Oh, you do it quickly. It's like, no, th- there's a big empty room. There's lots of floating platforms. And who do we know that loves floating platforms? Yeah, of course, it's Megatron. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those uh, floating golf carts. Yeah. It's the Lord and, and Master get... of the House. Yes. And we get a good look at him. Now he's got a, he's got a big cape on. It, it's not just like a, a cape. It's like all the way around, so it's kind of like he's wearing a giant muumuu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, much like Homer Simpson, he's also got a fat guy hat in the form of a like Hannibal Lecter mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and also I, he got a. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. I'll I'll get to it. Oh, he got a scar over his eye somehow. Ooh. Well, well, now he's sexy. There are reasons for that. Like, I I don't think we ever find out the reason for that. He just has that scar. He really liked the Lion King, I guess. Yeah. We, he we, wants you to know he's the villain. Kinda. Yes. It. We do see why in a way he has scars. Although maybe that specific one is is kind of weird. Yeah, that that's just like a little cut over his eye. Yeah, like he cut himself shaving. And he also has like little robot arms on his uh, cape that don't appear to be his regular arms. Yeah, because he's yeah he's under the cape, and over top of the cape is this like shoulder mantle thing with two giant arms attached to it. One is sort of a mm. what is it regular three finger hand, and the other one's just a gun thingy. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a like a lobster claw, sort of like a robot claw. You know, like the kind that a 50s robot would have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he decides to, uh, you know, tell Primal what's going on. Uh, you know, I won the Beast Wars, which he clearly didn't. <laughs> well, but it's he, uh, he got to Cybertron. Yeah, he conquered everybody. And, uh, yeah, now... Uh, Megatron's Cybertron is the one where he's the only sentient being there, and also he's destroy. He wants to destroy all organic life. Yay! Yes, it's... I I feel like the biggest you know people people complain about various other character differences, and maybe this is something that'll clear up. But there was a serious lack of yeses in Megatron's speech. Yeah. And there were a yeah. lot of places that felt like they should have them. Apparently yes. that was a conscious decision uh, by the creative team to make him a little less theatrical. Why would you... Oh, but to he's gonna, like, lower... Less theatrical <laughs> in the scene where he lowers himself for a dramatic reveal? It's like, like the friggin' Phantom of the Opera. And then brings up this giant video monitor to give Optimus a PowerPoint presentation about all his awesome new toys. But he Plus needs he's got to all be those, less uh, black theatrical. paintings on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like they made him more dramatic and theatrical, but took away one of his most theatrical aspects. But 
I, I guess think, it, I believe the phrase he used was to make him less deliciously evil. Uh, but that's I, the best part about him. So they wanted him to be less campy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know. It it still does work in that maybe the campiness was his organicness coming out. <laughs> maybe. I don't like it. And now he's all about neocons. Like no sparks. Cybertron ruled by nope. one mind. Mind. Yes. Now, I mean, that that kind of makes sense because he was often undone by the incompetence of his underlings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where he is now is a logical, in a way, progression of Megatron. We just missed steps. Yeah. Also, speaking See, of the- logical progressions, the more I look at his helmet and how his face kind of pokes through it and just how that how his overall head ends up looking, the more I see a Michael Bay movie Megatron. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely see that, now that you mention it. Yeah. His his whole attitude, well, and the fact that he has one gun arm, keeps reminding me of Marvel Shockwave. Hmm, I could see that. Especially since he's trying whole, to cut out I'm... emotion, organics and stuff. It's like pure science and logic. But he's still emotional, angry bastard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he fails and, at yeah. doing that. Yeah, and in fact, on his uh, little floating iPhones, we see that uh, the Maximals are defeating his Viacons, including uh, Cheetor, who, appa- who doesn't, you know, he's just got this body. At one point, he just jumps off a building and kind of hopes that he can fly somehow. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't... Two things. A, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of a time skip, and I would not put it past Cheetor to just jump off things to see if he can fly. (laughs) And B, worst case scenario, cats always land on their feet. Yeah, it's... I suppose that's true. But it is such a weird thing. Also, if he couldn't fly, I could... If he couldn't fly, I could also totally see him doing that anyway and just having a comedy beat of, oh, right, I can't fly anymore. (laughs) I mean, I assume that when he... like. Like when they first got to the uh, the prehistoric Earth, he tested to see if Cheetahs could fly. <laughs> no, but, but that, that's kind of the weird thing because, well, next episode we'll we'll find out that they forgotten a lot about what happened before. So, ha- and yes. he, he he was in his first Cheetah form and Cybertron. So, would he even remember the two forms he had where he could fly? That is a good question. Yeah, yeah I good feel point. like. That whole memory loss thing was not made nearly as much of until, like, episode three as it really should have been. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fuzzy. Because they've forgotten. They've forgotten what they've forgotten, so. I guess that's true. And they're in a stressful situation. It's, it's just, uh, dissecting this episode by watching it is like I'm finding plot holes in a show I really love. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so anyway, Megatron hulks out seeing this uh, defeat and turns back into his dragon mode, except he's clearly been trying to get the organics off it. Yeah, which is like maybe that's where the scar came from. Maybe there was some organic there or something. But it, has he, he been looks, self-harming? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's ripped off as much of the organics as he can, but he still looks like the... Season 3, Transmetal 2, or whatever it's called. Dragon just with bits ripped off so you could see exposed mechanics underneath. 
it and really an exposed bone, which is neat. Yeah, it does appear to just be the same model. It's yes. just textured with a lot of like exposed metal bits. And also, apparently, the uh, wings of that form his cape. Yeah, somehow. Yes. You know, I I wonder if you could do that with a retool of the uh, the ultra toy. I mean, they, they obviously the wings would not look great. Did wasn't there was there an actually a, to- a toy of this that did transform into a dragon? I can't. Yes. Yeah, it was a Voyager. It was kind of dinky. Yeah. Um, Megatron ended up being about the same size as a Coke can. Because <laughs> he's all cape. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it's kind of neat. It's not bad. And also it fits on his uh, Beast Rider. <laughs> oh. So he can we'll ride his dragon head. Later. Uh, will we? Megatron. So yeah, so yeah, after Primal tells Megatron he can't multitask and he just freaks out and turns into beast mode, it's Megatron is a self-hating beast. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, there's like deep psychological stuff here that that just totally passed me by first time. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, he manages to get control and also mocks Primal because, you know, all those uh, sparks that are extinguished. So, you know, billions of people so Megatron is saying here that he killed billions of people. Yeah. Yep. And yep. it's all your fault for losing the Beast Wars. That is victim blaming. <laughs> that is not right. Well, no, but neither is apparently killing billions of people. He's like Robot really? Hitler times <laughs> times like a thousand. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but well, his, his I goal suppose is to victim make... blaming is the least of his sins. Well, he, he is the bad guy, so he's trying to make Primal as angry as he is. And it works. Yes. Boy, yeah. does it work. Oh, but... And then and then also, he's shocked when, uh, after dropping down a giant garbage chute, he remembers, all right, Optimus can fly. <laughs> well, that's not before we get another scene with a collapsing bridge. <gasps> <gasps> oh, Yeah. Yay. And this time, it's supposed to look normal when it collapses into clearly, you know, rectangular pieces. Because yeah. it's all these floating pa- platforms. Yeah. Oh, uh, if only it was over a river of magma. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out there's not a lot of magma in Cybertron. Spoilers. Well, they could have yeah, had I guess liquid we're finding heated that out. energon or something. Well, we're, we're going to find out what's in that core. Uh-oh. You'll be surprised. <laughs> But we get a solid Gary Chalk Megatron! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Oh. And then Good the other stuff. Maximals come in, yeah. and Rattrap wants to vamoose. And he actually successfully does something by unscrewing a screw. Yeah. <laughs> two screws. <laughs> Poor Rattrap. Yes, I two choose screws. to believe that all of this is just because he's so traumatized by everything that's happening. Yeah. I mean, he becomes considerably more competent later in the show. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's the virus messing with them. It has changed them slightly. Yes, and certainly he was a guy who relied very heavily on his gadgets. Yeah. Yeah, and he's lost that. Well, yes and no. I mean, he always had the ability to improvise, too. That's true. Yeah. But it's easier to improvise when you have things stored in your forearm. True. <laughs> mm-hmm. So many things. Uh, so yeah, Primal explains that you know this happened because I didn't stop Megatron. So now I've got to fix that. Oh, Primal! Oh, Primal! And, uh, yeah, that is the episode. Can't just blame yourself. Yeah, the, uh, there, there is the Viacons when they're trying to chase them into the trap door. They get crushed, and one of them, 
It's a nice comedic bouncing wheel. Yes. Oh yeah, it's great after they jump into the garbage shoot flyboy. Yes. There is some great vehicle destruction. Into it. Yeah. And so yeah, this I mean so now we know we know a little more about what's going on. You know, Megatron's in charge. Uh all those guys we've been fighting are drones. And also everybody else on Cybertron is dead question mark. Well, <laughs> gone. Maybe I mean I'm, Megatron he's basically... says their sparks have been extinguished. Oh, he says they were extinguished. Okay. Yes. he's. This isn't entirely true, but Megatron's no. clearly trying to make Primal feel bad. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. which, well, he enjoys that, so. Well, yes. yes. That's his favorite thing. Yeah, so that that's the end of the episode. Yeah, so we, we know a little more, but it's, this show is very much a serial. Yes. yes. Like, you would have trouble getting, co- like, even coming in, in this episode, you'd have trouble knowing what was going on. And yeah, I, I have a theory as to why they went in this direction. Oh, okay. So this is 1999. What else have you got in the, like, what else, what other, you know, action cartoons are popular right now? You got your, your Gundam Wings. Uh-huh. You know, your uh, uh, Fox Kids was also showing Escaflone around this time. Uh, Digimon was pretty serial. Oh, yeah. yeah, and these are all, you know, very serialized shows. And they sort of appeal to a slightly older audience, and I think that's what they were trying to target. Yeah, so it's sort of like why Transformers the movie had all this cursing all of a sudden and people <laughs> yes. blowing off. All, uh, it's when Transformers tries to appeal to that slightly older audience. Mm-hmm. And also those sort of dealt with more, you know, themes that would not be found in your typical animated fair earlier in the uh, decade. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that definitely was a, a point of maturation for a lot of uh, cartoons that were on at the time. Mm-hmm. For just the, the entire across the board. And yeah, I mean, your Dragon Ball Z and your Sailor Moon and all of that would have been around at the same time. I mean, I, I don't think I'll say, I don't think we'll say that Dragon Ball Z was uh, dealing with a lot of mature themes, but certainly well, no. it was very serialized. Yeah. Certainly blowing things up. Uh, now, now I kind of just wish this was more serialized in a way. Like, each episode would end on a weird cliffhanger that would have to be solved at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah, there, despite Ooh. being super serialized, there isn't really a lot that connects the episodes. It's just one stacked on top of the next, step on top of the next. There's no linking tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if this episode had entered when Megatron came into the chamber and there was Megatron, or when Primal came into the room and there was Megatron... If we hadn't found out at the end of the last episode, if it's like, oh shit, it's Megatron, he's still around, that would be a more dramatic ending, because we go into the next episode. Yeah, and, and that's definitely the kind of ending you'd get on, like, a Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, will the planet, planet Namek be destroyed? Find out tomorrow in Namek is Destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it's more like, will the planet Namek be destroyed? Find out in ten episodes. <laughs> oh god, that planet took so long to blow up. I swear there was one one episode where they state that it's going to blow up in five minutes, and at the end of the next episode, it still hasn't blown up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, it's, they say like three minutes are left or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's because Dragon Ball has immensely long fights and everything is 
drug out as slow as you possibly can to match a manga. So are we actually seeing those fights in, like, slow motion so that we can perceive them as humans and not as, like, space monkey people? Well, to to some degree, yes, because the power levels, they go up and Goku's moving super fast and whatever. Go over 9,000. Speaking of, stay tuned for next episode. (laughs) (laughs) There are things in common. Other than, uh, uh, what's his face? Ian Corlett. Yes, well, I mean, there are all sorts of beast VAs on uh, that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. More than Scott McNeil as Piccolo. Um, I believe that Terrorsaur and Scorponok are the two home for infinite losers guys. Uh, oh, yeah. At least one and of one them of the guys is just Terrorsaur. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> I think he's even red. <laughs> well, one of them. <laughs> yep. All right, so that is the end of Master of the House, and sadly, probably my last uh, opportunity to do show tunes on uh, this show, but stay tuned. Aw. I'm sure life will find a way. <laughs> but until the, our next episode, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash stasispod. We are on Twitter at at stasispod. And we're on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com. And our RSS feed is hosted by iaconunderground.net. Uh, you can also find our news podcast there. And we also have a Patreon set up now at patreon slash iaconunderground. Yes, give us your space dollars. It helps with the, the web hosting because I am super poor. Unfortunately, editing gay romance does not pay a lot. Oh, tragic. <laughs> much as much of the gay romance probably is. Yeah, some of it. Some of it. Some of it's just tragically written. And if you'd like to contact us and tell us about uh, what you thought of Beast Machines, because we know you all have opinions. Nobody's all, eh, Beast Machines, it's okay. <laughs> Everyone has opinions. You either love it with all your heart or you hate it with the fury of a billion suns. Yes. And so if you'd like to tell us about your love, hate, or indifference, maybe you're the, maybe you're the one guy, uh, then write into the Maxa mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. Is that still what we're, we're doing? Uh, we, do, we do have the stasispod at iaconunderground.net now. Okay, but I, I believe that David is still checking the other one. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, David's like, what? Them. No, no, I, uh, no, we don't got nothing there, though. Okay. So join us next week when we get burned by the fires of the past. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Master of the house, fires of the past. I don't remember any of the words to this song. I'm David.
I was thinking of going and making a hot pocket, but I'll be fine. I was at that point when we were getting started where I had eaten like a small meal like three hours ago, so I was like, am I hungry? Not really, but I might be. But, but no, I think I'll be fine. I'm on Weight Watchers, so I'm kind of at the point now where I no longer need food to survive. Uh, <laughs> I need to get on a diet. It's I've, terrible, I've, but I, I would recommend it. I've lost like 13 pounds. Oh, I've ooh. been on the first... Hmm. Oh, shit. Did I disconnect? Hmm. Hello? Ah, I disconnected. 